Look, you've had a long day. Your boss is annoying you. Your boyfriend is accusing you of something you didn't even do. And your sibling is asking you for money. That's like an everyday thing for me. While I don't have all the answers, I do know that we have the power to change any situation we're in, in a flash, in a snap. We can turn it into a celebration and a little glass of wine is just the thing to turn your day around sometimes. But of course, you just realized you ran out of everything. Luckily for you, our friends over at DoorDash have you covered. If you're in the mood to treat yourself or just want to make sure you are always hostess with the mostess ready, DoorDash is your go-to without you having to move from your couch. And it's convenient. Do you know how heavy a handle of tequila is? How about five of them? Exactly. Plus, the alcohol selection at DoorDash is top-notch. You will find what you're looking for. Beer, wine, mixers, and even mocktails for the non-alcoholic girlies can be delivered straight to your door. So get your drinks in hand without lifting a finger with DoorDash. And use code SOFIA24 to get 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more on drinks through DoorDash. For eligible users only, terms apply, must be 21 plus to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Hello, everyone. Hi, welcome to my show, Sophia with an F. I am Sophia. I know I sound congested as fuck, so please bear with me, and I will try to keep my coughing to a minimum. I am at my little studio. It is in my mom's basement. It's really cozy. I'm wearing two pairs of pants, and I'm wearing two sweaters, and I have long socks and my Uggs on, drinking a hot tea with honey in it. I'm trying to make hot tea a new thing in 2022. Less alcohol, less coffee, more hot tea. And yeah, I'm fucking freezing. I'm fucking... Mom! I I honest, I want my mom to overhear this because she is the thermostat police. Has anyone fucking dealt with this? Whatever home you are staying at, there's a person that lingers over the thermostat and, oh, they notice if you fucking switch the temperature. If I change the temperature one degree, my mom will hunt me down and she will actually ask every single person in the house to like come clean on who fucking changed the thermostat. So I have actually adapted and I got myself a little space heater And I had to turn it off for the recording because I want you guys to have clean, smooth sound, but I'm fucking cold. I sound like someone called Child Protective Services. My mom is a monster. 
Guys, she's the best. And I'm fucking 29 years old. And if I want to complain about something in this house, I can absolutely move out. I'm just going to answer that myself. So I am doing this week's episode solo, as in actually alone, as in it's just me and you guys and the wall and this microphone because my producer, Alex, has COVID. And so she couldn't join me. With that said, things could get a little bit interesting. And I just want to say, unlike other people, I'm going to show up to my job, which is right here, right now, and give you guys an amazing episode, even though I, too, feel a little under the weather. Not COVID. Thank God I got tested. But I mean, Alex, she could have shown up for the Zoom or something. How do we think Alex got COVID, by the way? Apparently, her boyfriend bought her an at-home test, which he was somehow able to finagle because, as we know, COVID at-home tests are unicorns and they don't exist. Those things are harder to come by than an actual unicorn for a threesome. So first of all, that wasn't adding up. Second thing is, I think he just gave her a false positive so that she just stayed locked in the house. I mean, imagine dating her. I would do the same thing. But now she's acting sick, but it's definitely just a fucking placebo effect because he tricked her into thinking she has it. But if you're wondering, Alex is totally fine and we are going to be totally fine. And I just want to ask, who doesn't have COVID right now? Is it just me or does every person have it in this very moment? It's a fucking miracle that I don't have it right now. I'm pretty sure that shit started in a strip club in Florida, which let me just digress. I just got home from Miami. I had my face between a stripper's left ass cheek and her right ass cheek, okay? She was smothering my face with her ass. I would bet my pretty bottom dollar that that is why I feel sick right now. I don't know why I'm acting so surprised. And it wasn't like on the itinerary. Like, okay, we go to this club, you know, this dinner, this club, and then we go to the strip club. Do strip clubs ever really happen that way? Maybe more so for men. But I know for me and my girlfriends, it's one of those things that happens when you get kicked out of the club and you end up at 11, which is the best strip club ever. And I found myself there two nights in a row just inhaling dollar bills that were just inside of the stripper's ass crack or in between her cleavage and motorboating her cleavage. It really is true what they say. The people in Florida do not give a fuck. They give zero fucks. I don't know if it's just about life in general. I don't know if it's COVID that they don't give a fuck about. They just don't care. And I mean, you mix Miami and you mix strip club and you mix Florida and you mix dollar bills. And no wonder I'm sitting here congested as fuck. No fucking wonder. The strip club is the go-to if you want to get COVID. But again, my thing, not COVID. I got some other STD variant that is at the strip club. Omicron for your genitals, just your vagina. Omarion STD. What else fucking happened in Miami? Oh, so 
I went there to hang out with a really good group of friends of mine. They're all based out in New York. So it was really nice to catch up with them. I had this interesting interaction that I couldn't wait to tell you guys about. So there was this one night that I'm with these said friends. And I need to give you a little background. These friends were not the friends I was going to the strip club with. I would put these friends in a different box. Super well-respected and established in their industries. And they're super cool. And they're, they're just a little bit more adult than I am at this moment in time, if you know what I mean. I need to tell you guys that because it's very important to the story. So my boyfriend is also there and they are very good friends of his and colleagues of his. So we all go to dinner at Carbone and they're kind of, you know, harassing me about the night I had before. I really pissed off my boyfriend because I didn't show up home until like 7 a.m. and he couldn't get a hold of me because my phone died. And so I'm kind of walking them through my night, but I'm trying to downplay it, okay? My man is sitting right next to me. I'm trying to downplay the whole thing. And close to the end of dinner, this girl comes up to our table and she goes, Sophia, I am such a big fan of the show and of you. I love everything you're doing. I actually saw you last night, Sophia, at Socialista, and I wanted to come up to you, but you did not look like you were in the space to be talked to. <laughs> uh, first of all, please, for the love of God, if you listen to the show and you love me and whatever else, always come up to me. Always come up to me. This is not what this is about. It was the fact that she just kept insinuating that I was a disaster. Like, I think I was like looking at her, like giving her the eyes, like, shut the fuck up, bitch. You did not see me at Socialista. And she just kept going on and on and on about it to the point that my friends at dinner were kind of looking around like, is this girl serious? Also, not to mention, I had just got done telling them, you know, it wasn't that crazy of a night. And now this girl is coming up to the table like, oh, Sophia, I couldn't even approach you at Socialista. And I had to wait till the following day to come up to you because you were that out of it. I normally wouldn't care if someone came up to me and said something like that. But I just want to know what went through her mind to come up to me at a table with a bunch of other adults. And just basically out me like that. Like, yeah, I was out and I had a few shots and I was doing my thing. Who gives a fuck? It almost felt a little bit condescending. We did end up laughing about it later. But I just want to say, if you ever see me out, come up to me. I want to hug you. I want to make out with you. I want to take shots with you. This show is not a spoof. It's not made up stories for content. This is my life. And it's as real as it gets. So... If you see me at Socialista or anywhere and I'm not all put together and proper, especially when I'm socializing drunk in Miami, it's just me in real life. Just like the shit I say on this show. And this is not rated E for everyone. Okay. Anyways, Miami was a hell of a time. It didn't really feel like a vacation. You know, when you go on vacation there's the, I'm going to lay by the pool and center myself and read a book type of vacation. And then there's the Miami 
we're getting hammered every single day type of vacation. Yeah, those don't really feel like vacations to me. I actually feel like I was fucking ass fucked. Like I don't feel well rested or any of the above. That's kind of the issue with drinking on vacation every day like that. It's just, the whole vacation is like a fucking blur. You're trying to like tell your mom what you were doing and what you did. And you're trying to remember how amazing it was. And it's just one big clusterfuck blur. Might as well have just sat in my room watching the travel channel ripping shots of 1942, if that were the case. Anyways, I digress. I'm very thankful and I would like to move on. Can you feel it, Sloots? The days are getting warmer and spring has officially sprung, which means spring break is here. Which for the older folk, that basically means people are going outside, they're staying outside, and they are staying out way longer. But the thing is, who wants to deal with those post-party struggles? I know I don't. I mean, I quite literally and physically can't at this stage in my life. And that's where my spring break essential comes in which is Taste Salud. Say goodbye to the Sunday Scaries with Taste Salud's hydrating drink mixes. Listen, I started my spring break a little bit early last weekend when my best friend Allie came to town and we had a night or two on the town and how I felt honestly come Monday morning was better than any spring break party you can imagine. And that is a rare occurrence for me and has only started happening since I've started drinking Taste Salud religiously. Because unlike those big name brands we all know, Salud knocks it out of the park with their one-of-a-kind flavors. I'm drinking one right now. And no, it's not because I plan on drinking any kind of alcohol, but just because I'm trying to get hydrated and energized, I'm obviously drinking the horchata flavor, but you got to enjoy flavors like cucumber lime, hibiscus, and they even have mocktails now. Say hello to Paloma and strawberry margarita. Filled with electrolytes and vitamins that support hydration and boost immunity with less sugar. I'm talking only one gram of sugar per stick. This is exactly what you need to get your Sunday fun day going, regardless of what the rest of the day entails. And here's the best part. They're sharing the love with all of my listeners. Enjoy 10% off your first purchase with the code SOFIA10 at checkout. That's S-O-F-I-A and the number 10 at Taysalude.com. Cheers to health this spring break season with Taysalude. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, wider looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. 
Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes. Plus, it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she is returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and the brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Let's get into some pop culture, shall we? This has become my new favorite segment, to be honest. And I only talk about the things worth mentioning. You know what I mean? I'm not turning this into a who wore it better podcast. I'm not talking about Zendaya's eyebrow shape at the Oscars. But this shit that we're about to talk about, this is fucking gold. Okay, so... Allegedly, an unknown Instagram model is suing Drake. And her reasoning for suing him, there are no words, and she has become an icon and my most favorite person on the planet. So, allegedly, the two of them meet up and have sex. No breaking news there. We know Drake loves his sex. And then after they fuck, she took her talents to the bathroom garbage to fish out the condom Drake used with the goal of trying to impregnate herself, only to find out there was hot sauce in the condom. All right. So automatically, I have 873 questions. How did she realize that there was hot sauce in the condom? I hope it was just her kneeling over the trash can and lifted it up and saw it was red. Or did she try to put it up her cooter 
and got third-degree burns on her labia. Which one was it? I mean, holy fuck, can you imagine he's just in the hotel room putting his clothes back on and hears this girl scream bloody murder from the bathroom because she accidentally turkey-basted herself with hot sauce thinking it was Drake's magic sperm? Like, you cannot make this shit up. Also, what I don't get is what the fuck is she actually suing him for? Hmm? The pain and trauma she endured by putting Frank's red hot in her pussy? I mean, I'm no legal professional, but for some reason, I don't think that that is going to hold up in court. I mean, can you imagine? Your honor, your honor, I was trying to trap this guy and he was actually two steps ahead of me and now my vagina has scabs on it. Your honor, please take this into consideration. Like you just, you can't, I don't understand. Talk about 2022 coming in fucking hot. No pun intended. And then my next question is, if this is all true, is Drake just walking around with those like little mini Tabasco bottles they give you at hotels? You know, the ones that some girls carry in their purse to like spice up their fucking omelet at brunch? Or is it the type of thing that he's calling room service up right before he's about to fuck? And he's like, hi, I'm in room 237. If you could just bring up two bottles of your finest champagne. They call me Champagne Poppy, so make sure it's Dom Perignon and a side order of Sriracha. Nope, just the Sriracha by itself, thank you. Like, what? And as insane as this entire dilemma is, it leads me to a different conversation, which is that of trapping. We all know what trapping is, right? Trapping, for those of you who don't know, is having a child without the other person's consent, usually for financial gain. And when I say without the person's consent, like without them straight up knowing, but you just go through with it. I mean, if you get pregnant with Drake's kid, you are pretty much set for life. So I see what she's going for. But I mean, as much fuckery and ho shit I encourage, I have never understood trapping someone. And I have fucked some very rich men. This is some different shit. I have never crawled over to a garbage can or to the side of the bed and picked up a condom and, you know, put that shit in the ice bucket so it could stay on ice and then, you know, try to smuggle it home with me. Uh, but I've never fucked Drake. <laughs> I've never fucked Drake, so I don't know. Champagne Poppy, if you want to make my hotline bling, hit me up. I'm available and let's figure it out because maybe I would do this type of shit. I'm kidding, but this girl clearly had her eyes on the prize, but Drake was just two fucking steps ahead of her, which is so wild that girls tried to trap him so much that he had to take matters into his own hands. And he felt hot sauce was the way to go. I honestly applaud the creativity. Also, doesn't the sperm die once it makes contact with the air? 
I think Bill Nye, the science guy, said that once. But I just, trapping, it just it doesn't make the most sense to me because it's a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. It's not going to make him be with you. And if you do successfully trap someone and get pregnant, you better hope the guy is actually in the child's life and not just do the bare minimum and, you know, that baby just became an ATM machine, an atom baby. Because you'll be alone and that child will feel that throughout their life. That's me on some real shit. Also, can you imagine if you thought someone was rich and you trapped yourself and had their baby only to find out, oh, they're in millions of dollars worth of debt and their house is about to be foreclosed on? That's what I'm saying. Like, you you never know. Drake could go broke so, somehow, some way, or he could die. And then the estate is in charge of how his money is dished out and, like, you get fucked. Who fucking knows? A baby is too risky and... I'm just not a supporter of putting trauma on an unsuspecting child before they even get a chance to breathe air. Just because you wanted to take a ride on air, Drake. And on his credit card. And on his dick. Oh, and then lastly, you guys, before we move on, quick fucking segue. I do want to say RIP Bob Saget, a.k.a. Danny Tanner, my favorite TV dad and true icon. Now we can move on to a little something I like to call Sloot University. I've never fucked Drake, so I don't know. Champagne Poppy, if you want to make my hotline bling, hit me up. I'm available and let's figure it out. Hi, Slootants. I want everyone to open their books to page 78. I was about to say 69, not this week, page 78, because we are talking about anxiety. I mean, the fucking whiplash. Last week, our SLU University was on fingering and how to finger a vagina properly. And now this week, it's a discussion on anxiety. And that's just what we do here on Sophia the Neff. And honestly, I mean, the range. We can tackle anything, SLUs. So anxiety is such a broad term. I am not a doctor. I just want to clarify with that. But anxiety is such a broad term and it encompasses so many fucking things. But I want to focus on certain characteristics of anxiety that I think are overlooked a lot and are confused with other things. So this is what I mean by that. For example, ditching your friend's birthday dinner at the last minute, okay? Was that just me being selfish and flaky that caused me to do that? Or was it my anxiety? And I mean, it really depends. We should make this a weekly segment. Was that me being an asshole or was that my anxiety? But anxiety can manifest and present itself in so many ways. And a lot of them, I had no clue. I had no clue that these things were just symptoms or forms of my anxiety until I recently went down this rabbit hole trying to figure out why I am the way I am. And I've been doing a lot of self-reflecting, says a girl who just said her face was in between a stripper's butt cheeks and was in Miami. But no, I really have been. 
kind of on this search for being a better version of me because the version right now is not one I'm really that content with. I mean, who doesn't live with some form of anxiety in this current climate? If that's you, fucking raise your hand and slide into my DMs and prove it because I just, I don't see how you could be walking through this life as it is right now and not have it a little bit. But for starters, what is anxiety in a nutshell? It is a mental and physical reaction to perceived threats. And in small doses, anxiety is helpful. Okay, this is something I learned. It protects us from danger. It focuses our attention on problems. For example, dressing up nicely for a job interview so that you make a good first impression is a form of anxiety that is, if regulated, good for you. It's when the anxiety is too severe or occurs too frequently, it can become debilitating. We know what anxiety is on some basic level. But the thing is, it doesn't necessarily show up as a panic attack or constant nervousness or I can't even fucking function. I can't get out of bed today or whatever we think anxiety would look like. It can show up in ways that you or I didn't even realize. And I want to tackle some of those ways. And a lot of these I'm just coming to terms with, by the way. So we're kind of making this discovery together. Like I was saying in my friend example, ditching my friend's birthday dinner at the last minute. I have missed out on quite a few dinners, birthdays, parties, brunch, whatever it may be with friends. And it's something that I hate about myself. Like, Sophia, why can't you just put on the makeup, put the jeans on, get in the Uber and hang out with everyone like a normal person? It, it bothers me. And just FYI, my mom does the same thing. She said her friends have basically stopped inviting her out anywhere because it just always became a no. Like a last minute, no, I'm not coming. And they like gave up on her. And I think the reason why sometimes it's so last minute is because in theory, when I'm invited, I'm like, of course I want to be there and celebrate with my friends. That's a no-brainer. And I also think to myself, you know, a week from now, I'm going to be feeling way better. So I'm going to hop in the Uber or I'm feeling amazing and I get asked that. So I say yes to fucking everything. We've all fucking been there. It's just when it comes time to actually get to the destination where it can feel really, really overwhelming. I would say it was because I was too busy or too stressed or what have you until I took a closer look and realized, no, I wasn't too busy. I wasn't too stressed. It was really a form of my anxiety that has been holding me back. If you have this form of anxiety or if this is something you do, it can make you be perceived a certain way by friends and family as something that you're not. Like my friends were getting pissed at me, telling me I was an asshole. And 
sometimes it's not that. You're not just an asshole friend who doesn't care. I know for me, I absolutely care about all of my friends. I love them dearly. I'm the most loyal. The second you need me, need me, I drop any everything and anything and I'm there. But I think with these little social gatherings, I let my anxiety get the best of me. And listen, blaming shit on anxiety is not a get out of jail free card. Because I know what you guys are all thinking like, ooh, I'm going to cancel that wedding date and I'm not going to this anymore because blah, blah, blah. No, you can't just say I have anxiety, like get over it. I wish it was that easy, but you have to show up for your friends and you have to nourish your relationships. But I think once you realize why you are avoiding something, you can tackle the problem. And I feel like now I'm coming from a place of, oh, okay, let's do some things to help manage your anxiety so that you can start showing up for your friends more is how I see it. Because back in the day when I just thought it was just, I am the way I am and I don't like to do shit like that, that's when I wasn't making any real changes. But now that I'm realizing it for what it is, I can. And it's not just social settings that I try to avoid because of anxiety. Work? I mean, simple tasks like getting on a call. I will sometimes sit there and turn the most basic weekly call into the most catastrophic thing in my brain. The scariest fucking thing. Oh, I have a call at 3 p.m. I am spending the hours between 12 and 3 p.m. worrying about the call at 3 (laughs) p.m. Like call scheduled for 3 p.m., please go ahead and block out five hours on my calendar leading up to that call so I can pretend like it's not happening. I can cry. I can try to get out of it. I can cry some more. I can have a panic attack. I can call everyone to like give me some reassurance. I mean, it's ridiculous, but these are things that I actually do. How many times have you built something up so big in your head and then you do it and it's like, oh, that actually wasn't that bad. And you were actually freaking out for no reason, except now we know a little bit better. And it wasn't no reason. It was anxiety that we are leaving unmanaged or just not coming to terms with or didn't know. Straight up, I didn't know a lot of these things were just my anxiety. And this is where there are certain words that really, really bother me that people use so casually, like procrastination. That word procrastination, putting things off until the very last minute. Yeah, I think a lot of people may very well just be procrastinators. I also think, though, that there may be a lot of people that are dealing with anxiety And so they can't bring themselves to do this fucking task unless they have one hour left and they know the world is going to come crashing down around them. And whether you're a procrastinator or your anxiety is just really coming to the forefront and making you behave that way, it's really important to know the difference. Another word that really fucking bothers me, perfectionist. That was my favorite fucking word. I used to say 
I was a perfectionist to anyone who would listen. Oh, why did this task go out late? I'm a perfectionist. Why am I waiting so long? Why am I spending 24 hours on something that is just so simple? I'm a perfectionist. Okay, you wouldn't understand because you're not perfect and you don't care. I used to use this word a lot to describe myself. I would leave things to the last minute. And then when they got done, I would sit there and nitpick every single detail and say it wasn't good enough. And I realized it was all being done under this cloud of just anxiety. The perfectionism. I read somewhere that people will leave things to the last minute because then if their work is not good enough, there's nothing they can do about it. Me, I swear to God, sometimes when I get things done early, I just want to go over it and over it and over it. And it's it's debilitating and it's anxiety that I have just kind of let slide. Sometimes you know what these things are and you know that you have them, but you need a reminder on how it's affecting you and how it's showing up in your life. Because I mean, I was diagnosed with anxiety when I was in high school and, you know, I haven't been able to get back into therapy for a while. And so I've just been letting this shit run wild and I can tell. Another way that anxiety shows up a lot, and this is for me, but I think a lot of people, is always needing to make sure there is alcohol involved. I realized this the other day when I was hanging out with a group of people for an extended period of time and there were all of these things to do. There was breakfast, lunch, you know, go to this place during the day, go to this place during the day and then dinner and go out. And I realized like some of the days I would look at, I would look and say, okay, the only one here that's manageable is dinner. And you want to know why that is, is because I know that that is an appropriate time where I can drink alcohol and everyone will probably be doing it. And I would be able to get through that dinner or what have you with minimal anxiety. Now, let me back up because I know a lot of people listening are rolling their eyes like alcohol does not cure your anxiety. I know it doesn't. I know it actually just makes it worse. It really does. It's like a cycle. But I've definitely used it as a crutch. I mean, how many times have you guys like hurried and taken a shot or two before a date or before something that's giving you a bunch of anxiety? And so it's also made me take a second look at how I'm using alcohol? Is it because I'm feeling super calm, centered, and having the best time? And so I feel like I can celebrate with some alcohol? Or is it you're feeling really anxious, you're using this as a crutch? So then I'm drinking it, and then I find myself over-drinking or, you know, waking up hungover with more anxiety. It's just, it's this whole thing that I wanted to discuss because in this climate and this world, mental health has definitely come to the forefront, but not enough. 
it really hasn't enough. And there are still words that are being thrown around like, you're lazy. You're a procrastinator. Maybe you're not lazy. You're not getting out of bed because you have crippling anxiety. You just don't know any better. Maybe you are putting off that project because you have such bad anxiety. Maybe you're not an asshole friend and you do want to go to the dinner. You just have anxiety. And society has really tried to make people who want to talk about mental health or their own mental health feel like social pariahs. I still feel that way. I mean, me even doing this segment, I'm like, oh God, like, am I playing the victim? Am I, is this just annoying to listen to? There's this whole climate where it's like, you know, pull yourself up from your bootstraps and get your shit together and you can only help yourself. I understand that mentality. I really do. But it can really negatively affect those people who are struggling with things like anxiety and you just tell them that they are lazy, they don't have what it takes, etc. It can be really, really harmful. And my advice when it comes to that and people who don't understand that maybe you're struggling with mental health or people who don't even want to give you the approval of looking into it, because I know people like that, therapy, that's bullshit, whatever. Don't listen to them. Put yourself first. And anxiety is a real thing. However, I have to say this and I need to clarify. Not everything is anxiety. And I know this is kind of the other end of what I was just saying and what I've been saying, but not everything is anxiety. And I want to point that out because even though I still don't think we give mental health the platform it deserves and there's still a lot of shame around it, shame you might not even realize, by the way, aka me trying to always seem put together and not getting help and blaming everything on some other issue aside from anxiety. But mental health has gotten somewhat of a platform that I think can be dangerous, where it's become kind of a fad. Like it's cool to say you have anxiety over fucking everything. And while it's great that the conversation is now at the forefront of so many things, it should not be something that's thrown around so lightly which is something I'm guilty of. I'm the first to admit. It negates the severity of how hard anxiety really can be to deal with if we just use that term so loosely. I mean, I think I was doing that to myself. We've used that term so loosely that I was thinking, oh, I don't actually have anxiety. Dealing with an anxiety disorder is different than feeling anxious or nervous because of a minor inconvenience. And this is not to shun anyone because everyone handles things differently. But I think that there is a sense of responsibility that comes with these terms. And I want to give the term anxiety that. So this is how I want to wrap this up. How do we deal with anxiety? Everyone is going to tell you therapy. That's usually the first thing out of someone's mouth. And I want to focus on therapy for a second because I feel like that being everyone's go-to recommendation 
to help with any problem isn't necessarily the way to go. Fuck therapy. Just kidding. Talk space. Just kidding, you guys. I love therapy and you guys know that. I am a firm believer in therapy. I benefited from it for years, but I just want to be real about it because therapy is not easily attainable for everyone. Unfortunately, therapy is a luxury and they have all of these different ways that you can access therapy that are easier than it was in the past, but it's still a luxury and it shouldn't be. But the American healthcare system, am I right? Go Florida, go Gators. The other thing is you're not going to go to therapy and after two sessions have the cure to all of your issues. It's not realistic. And I hate how people try to act like it is. You might feel a lot, a sense of relief and you might feel instantly better after a therapy session. I know usually I do. But you got to go for a certain amount of time before you're good to go. There's a lot of things to unpack. I don't care who you are. It bothers me when people try to act like it's the end-all, be-all, and it's going to save you from everything. You have to deal with maybe a therapist that you don't vibe with that can take weeks or months. And these people that try to play like it's the end-all, be-all therapy is, they sit on their high horse just telling people, go to therapy, go to therapy, as if it's that easy or attainable for everyone. I'm not shitting on it whatsoever. I'm just being realistic. So... If you're trying to get into therapy, I'm proud of you. That's amazing. If you haven't made it there yet, I completely understand. Because it is taxing, it is exhausting, and fucking expensive a lot of times. And I'm going to post some resources that can be used if therapy isn't accessible for you at the moment. But there are other things to do outside of therapy My point is, I don't have all the fucking answers and neither do you. We're just all out here winging it. I'm not going to sit here on my influencer high horse and tell you what anxiety is or isn't and give you a quick fix to it because it just doesn't work like that. I'm just kind of speaking from my personal journey and what's spoken to me. And if that resonates with you, then... God bless. And I hope that we can figure this out together. And if it doesn't resonate with you, then we're moving the fuck on and it doesn't need to. So moving on. Excited about this one, guys. I'm getting in my grown woman bag. I'm entering my wifey era at full speed and no one can stop me. Because I've been investing in myself and in my kitchen. I used to buy the absolute cheapest cookware I could possibly find. And mm -mm, mm -mm, not the move. The move is high quality, thoughtfully designed, non-toxic, and incredibly cute cookware from, drumroll please, Great Jones. You are welcome. Great Jones cookware is so stunning. You will actually want to cook. It's like getting a new super cute slash hot workout set. You'll be at the gym later that day. 
No question. My Dutch baby from Great Jones, aka the cutest baby pink Dutch oven in the color taffy, I keep that shit on display. That is when I'm not using it. From Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to nonstick pans, Great Jones has it all. I got my first skillet, you guys. Like, fuck an engagement ring. I can't wait to actually make all the recipes I have saved but never touched because I was ill-equipped. But now, I'll let y'all know when Sloot's giving dinner is because I am prepared. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old, rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code SOFIA. That's greatjones.com, promo code SOFIA. Apartments.com believes having a gym in your building does way more than just get you in shape. It turns your entire life around and is a great place to scope out the hot guy that lives in your building. And by guy, I mean guys. Having a gym in your building makes it 10 times more likely that you actually end up, show up, and work out. I mean, it's five floors down or whatever it is. And you'll be saving money on a gym membership that you'll go to probably half as much. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live is easy. Apartments.com hosts more rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. Or treadmill, for that matter. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. SOS, save our sleuths, questions, stories, and advice. And you've only got me to answer all of your questions, so I'm the only one that can be blamed. All right, first question. Hi, Sophia. So I am 35 years old, and I have been talking with a very handsome 23-year-old man over IG DMs. We hooked up for the first time yesterday, and as soon as his penis was inside of me, he started to talk dirty, dot, 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 about how old I am. He would say stuff like, my sexy little MILF, by the way, I'm not a mom, and stuff like, is it wrong that I feel like I'm fucking my grandma? I had to stifle a laugh at first, but honestly, I ended up feeling a bit weirded out. I want to keep fucking this man, but can't handle being called a grandma or asked, am I being a good boy for mama during sex? It's a turnoff for me and makes me want to burst out laughing or I end up psychoanalyzing him in my head or I just feel shitty and old. MILF is fine. Grandma is like, what the fuck? I almost felt as though I was just an object for his fantasies. Should I just find someone else? (laughs) I, okay. Run for the hills, sister. Run for the hills. This man clearly has some fetishes that need to be unpacked. I would just like, though, to say you are not alone. And I experienced a variation of this 
I'm not even 30. I'm in my late 20s. I was fucking around with a dude in his early 20s. And he had the biggest MILF fucking fantasy ever. Like his go-to porn, MILF, 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 MILF all day. And I know that he secretly, even if he didn't bring it up to me, had that fantasy with me. And this is me at, I don't, I don't even remember how old I was, but like in my late 20s, this dude was fetishizing me as a MILF. So don't let this make you feel bad about your age because you'll be three years older and these dudes will take it and run with it and try to turn you into their MILF fantasy. So don't even for a second feel shitty and old. That's just so stupid. I did notice the dynamic in the bedroom. I'm used to being more of the submissive and want the dude to be more dominant. I think with the MILF fantasy, I have noticed the MILF is usually more dominant and kind of telling, you know, the kid where to put it and what to do and blah, blah, blah. So if you're into that, I think maybe have a conversation with this guy and just be like, you take it a little too far. Maybe let's do it this way or play into his fantasy a little bit and just say, okay, let's play the MILF role. But the fucking gilf, grandma, I'd like to fuck commentary has got to go. That's what I think you should do. If you're not completely turned off by it, have a conversation, say you take it too far, but I'm into it and be like, tell him what the fuck you want next time you're in the bedroom and play into it a little bit. And if you're completely turned off, then just find someone else. Then you just run for the hill, sister. Because yeah, uh, most men, especially younger ones, at some point will have a MILF fetish and they'll really just try to recreate it with fucking someone that is six months older. It's like, dude, get a grip. Shout out Stacy's mom though. But this is, this is weird. He's, he's saying some shit that's a little bit too weird for me. And you're not even a mom. So that's hilarious. And you're not going to marry this dude. He's 23. He is a kid. Maybe, maybe he's right in calling you a MILF. Like, should we be fucking with 23-year-olds? I don't know. But I'm sure it was hot and fun. But if you don't see a future, then you the sex better be perfect. That's what I always like to say. If you want to keep fucking them with no strings attached, then the fucking better be unbelievable. If you're questioning the fucking, then what is the point? So that's what I have to say about that one. Let's move on to the next. Hi, Sophia. I have a question. I recently started dating this girl. That's not the problem. The problem is I was diagnosed with leukemia when I was 22. It is very much under control now, but in dating, I've experienced this as a negative aspect about my life. A girl I once dated found out and broke up with me for it, despite the fact that it's been under control for years. So I'm wondering if I should be open about this with my girlfriend, wait, or never share this information. I am 27 now, so the leukemia has been under control for about five years now. Thank you so much. Again, love your podcast. Keep killing it. Wow. My short answer is you should be open about what makes you you, and whoever doesn't want it can go fuck themselves. Okay? That's my short answer. If only it were that simple. So I'm going to expand a little bit. 
I think you 1000% should be open about this. Maybe you don't need to talk about it on the first date. Not that it's something to be ashamed of. Not that it's a bad thing. I just think, you know, there are certain things that you might even want to feel more intimate and more safe with this person before you even share it. So absolutely share it. It doesn't need to be on the first date. It can be, you know, a few dates in and when you feel comfortable. I understand it's a very serious thing, but if you like this girl, it sounds like you're already dating. If you like this girl and you see a future with her, she deserves to know about this. And if she leaves, she wasn't the fucking one. And honestly, you are a survivor and that's amazing. And not in a glorification way, but that's a part of your life and you should be proud of what you and your body fought through. I mean, trust me, there are a bunch of little secrets and hidden things. The people that you're going on dates with or the people you're dating don't want you to know right off the bat. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And I get that maybe this, you know, past illness, sickness, disease that you had, you don't want this to be your identity or anything like that. And it's not. But I do think it's information you share with your partner if you guys are at that level of taking things seriously. This would not make me break up with someone at all. The fuck? So I don't know why the fuck that bitch decided to leave, but this new bitch, I think you should be upfront with her and see how it goes. And don't let this be part of your identity if you don't want it to. Your past is not who you are. So let's just take that fucking energy into 2022. Okay, next question. Hey, Sophia. I have been dating this guy for about four months now. I'm going to sound like the dumbest bitch for a minute, but please allow me. He puts me down all the time. My confidence went from an all-time high to absolute rock bottom real quick since knowing him. My boyfriend quite literally bullies me and then sweet talks me right after. So obviously I'm confused. We were recently cuddling and he put his hand around my waist and lightly pinched me and told me that I was soft. He followed it up by saying, and I quote, the girls I usually date are gym fanatics and have bodies harder than you. This caused me to obviously feel like absolute crap since I've had two eating disorders in the past, which I've told him about. On FaceTime a couple days ago, he told me that he finds pleasure in making me feel like shit. What the absolute fuck? I feel like the obvious thing to do is to leave him. I know it will just get worse as time passes. It may be the toxic in me, but what I really want to do is lose more weight, tone up, hit the gym, pretty much end up looking like the girls he usually dates, and only then will I leave him. Any advice? Woo! I am heated reading that one out loud. This guy is an asshole. No debate. Don't try and make it sound sweet because you like him. This guy sounds like a 12-year-old and fucking disgusting and repulsive. I am also sorry about your struggles with eating disorders, but you need to put yourself first here and you need to move the fuck on and listen. I hear you when you say you want to lose the weight and then bounce, almost like this revenge thing or like put him in his place. 
the issue with that is you're never going to reach the place where you feel or he feels that you look like the girls he usually dates. That place will never come. Physically, if you want to lose weight, you absolutely can. And you will if that's what you want. But mentally, he will have been verbally abusing you the entire time. And so you will feel like you never are reaching the goal and you still aren't good enough. Every step of the way, and even once you get there, it still won't be enough. Not to mention, he will find something else to make you feel like shit about. Okay, so yeah, in theory, it might be fun for you to think, oh, I'm going to get my revenge bod on and then fucking ditch him. You're just never going to reach that place when you're in such a disgusting, horrifying relationship like this. Girl, it's only been four months. So you'll probably get over it a lot quicker than you think. And you should never be dating when you're in a place of absolutely zero confidence and no self-esteem. You really want to try to go into relationships as best you can, feeling very secure and confident with yourself because you want to attract that same type of person. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to hit the gym and make life changes, do it for you, not this asshole. I'm sure you're fucking beautiful as is, but any changes you want to make need to be for you. The reality is he doesn't really like you that much or he's just an abuser or has the emotional development of a child. And maybe all of these things are true, but regardless, you need to move the fuck on and I'm here for you, baby doll. Ugh. Okay. Next. Hey, Sophia. I met this boy on Bumble a month and a half ago and we hit it off right away. One of the things I noticed was that we have the same last name. This is super unlikely and scared me because I am African and I have never met a white person with the same last name as me. Hence me spiraling and thinking about if his ancestors colonized my country or enslaved my ancestors. I completely looked past this because he was cute and kept going. The second red flag I began to notice was that he screenshots every Snapchat I send him. And I mean every. It can be anything, even my armpit, and he will screenshot it. I don't really know where to go from here because I like him a lot and we get along well together, but is he just jerking off to photos of my face and shit? Help a lost and confused girl out. By the way, this is the first boy I've genuinely liked since my ex broke up with me because I took his virginity and he wanted to fuck other girls. What in the what did I just fucking read? This is so insane. Like, I what is your last name? I would really love to know. I mean, there's always a chance of some crazy shit like this happening hundreds of years ago, I guess. But I don't, I really don't even know what to say. The screenshotting every single thing and the same last name. Are you implying he has like a race fetish or something? Because if you are, I would pay attention to little things he says to see if he is sketchy because that shit is fucking gross if it's true. But he might just really like you. And honestly, I don't think I'd be too mad if the guy liked was jerking off to pictures of me, even if they're of my face. 
better than some other options because guys will jerk off to a home gardening magazine if they, you know, get aroused enough. But the part about him potentially owning your family in the past or colonizing is a whole other thing. You better get on Ancestry.com, girlfriend. You better like sucker him into doing a 23andMe or something and see what's going on. Because that is some crazy ass shit if it's true. All right, everyone, sleuths, I love you so much. I had a lot of fun doing it solo this week. I'm completely out of breath. I feel like I'm going to cough up a lung the second I, you know, turn this mic off. But as always, please, please, please subscribe, rate, review. More importantly, share any episode or segment that you've enjoyed with your friends. And I will talk to you next week. Follow me, Sophia with an F, Franklin with a Y. Bye. Bye.